Well, today I want to uh, talk to you about how God whispers to people who have questions. How God whispers to us when we have doubts and when we have confusion and when we have uncertainty in our life. And maybe you're here this morning and if you were to be really honest to yourself, you would say that you often wonder, is there a whisperer out there? And does that whisperer really care about me? Will he speak to me? I think about a guy in uh, the Bible who was very, very troubled and worried about his son. He was dealing with a lot of really big problems. And so this father takes his son to Jesus' disciples, his closest followers, but the disciples can't do anything for him. Now this guy is desperate. And he has so much concern for his son that he's been taking him to different teachers and different healers for years and years and years. But no matter who he takes him to or what they do, nothing ever happens. Nothing ever changes. This dad was starting to feel like that God had totally abandoned him. And that heaven was quiet. Finally, when Jesus arrives, this guy realizes that the disciples aren't doing much for him. So he goes directly to Jesus and he says, if you can do anything. And Jesus picks up on the very first word, if, right away, and he says, if I can, and he goes on and says, don't you know that all things are possible for those who believe? And the man immediately responds. It's almost like a, a flood that flows out of his heart. And he says, I do believe Help my unbelief. Today, if you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, I believe, but I doubt. I believe, but I waver. I hope, but I fear. This was a really, really good Sunday for you to come to church. Because the reality is, I've got doubts. I've got questions. I have uncertainties in my life. And it's just part of the human condition. And some of you know this even better than others this morning because you are a very shaky place in your life right now. Both of our uh, girls, they are fish. They love to swim. They'll swim anytime, anywhere, any place. They don't care. They don't care if it's 60 degrees and their lips are turning purple, okay? 
Or it's 85 degrees and it's like they're sweating as they're in the water. They just love to swim. And I can remember uh, a few uh, years ago, uh, the girls were five and three and we took them to a hotel and the hotel had a swimming pool. And do you remember when you were a kid and how cool it was when you actually liked to go to a hotel and like it had a swimming pool and you were like so excited that they did. Well, we get there and my wife just, my wife Jennifer, just by the drive, she was about done. So she had to go to a therapy session called HGTV. <laughs> right, ladies? Am I true? You know, like, we, look, people are amen and people are all about it. Like HGTV, when you can't handle things in your life, women will go there and they get refreshed, you know. And uh, so I let her have her therapy session and I took the two girls down to the swimming pool. And like I said, Jordan was five and Shiloh was three. And on the way down, I gave them the lecture, do not run around the pool. You could slip and fall into the pool and you will drown and die. And they're like, okay, dad, okay. So we finally get down to the pool and they're both, they're not even getting in the water. They're just sitting on the edge with their feet lightly, you know, kind of touching the water. And I start to coax them a little bit to stand up and to like jump in and trust me and take a risk. And so Jordan, who's our daredevil, she immediately stands up and she's getting ready right off the edge. She's getting ready to jump in and her sister Shiloh's sitting on the edge when just as about she's ready to jump, Shiloh slips and goes straight into the water, head underneath. I immediately grab her. She wasn't even down a second and I pull her up. And she's like crying and she's overwhelmed and she's so hurt. And she goes, oh, daddy, I drowned, I drowned, I drowned. And I said, Shiloh, you didn't drown. I was there the whole time. You were not at risk. Now, let's not tell mommy about this, okay? (laughs) You see... I understood what Shiloh didn't understand and what mommy would not understand. Which was her life was never at risk. Her father was there the whole time. There were arms ready to grab her at any moment. And you see, when Jesus came to planet Earth, he had a very unique message like no one else ever had. Because Jesus said he knew. He knew the Father. And that as bad as things sometimes get in our world... And maybe some things are going on in your life today. Or maybe someone who you love is going through some really tough stuff. There is nothing, there is no power that can separate you from the love of God for those who choose a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when we go under, folks... Just like when Shiloh went under, 
There is always a loving Father who reaches down and He pulls us up. And Jesus, like no one else who had ever walked planet Earth, knew this. You see, folks, we're not knowers. We're trusters. We live in uncertainty. We have doubts. So for the rest of our time, what I'd like to do is share with you some observation on doubt. And then at the end, I'm going to challenge you and challenge all of us to maybe take some trust. So here's the first observation about doubt. Doubt is a part of the human condition. Doubt is a part of the human condition. Part of what it means to be a human being, a finite creature with a limited IQ, is that you and I cannot escape from doubt in any major life event. When I got married, for example, there was no doubt-free guarantee that it would be the right decision. I knew that I wanted to marry Jennifer. I knew that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. I thought it was a good decision. I knew I was marrying up. That's because she told me I was marrying up. And uh, my wife actually told me that all men marry up, and I think she's right. But still, folks, it's no guarantee. And folks, we live in a day in which we are constantly reminded of this. We're constantly reminded of this in our economic uncertainty. You can have the greatest job in the world, and you think it is the most secure job ever, but there's no guarantee. I think about what happened in our community at Ball Memorial Hospital just a few months ago where hundreds of people were terminated who I'm sure they thought they would work there for the rest of their life. No guarantee. And doubt has causes. Sometimes they can be biological. Depression can cause doubt. And sometimes when we're involved in an ongoing sin, I have this vested interest To not want to believe, because sometimes when we're in sin and we're living a lifestyle, even though we mask it as well as we can, we really don't want to know truth. And we doubt. And partly because we doubt is that inescapable feature of what is being a human being. I mean, if you wanted a doubt-free existence, folks, you were born into the wrong species. And that's part of why the Bible gives us some encouragement. There's a little book in the back of the Bible. There's only 25 verses to it. It's the shortest book in the Bible. And it's at the very end, and it's called Jude. And Jude was Jesus' brother. If there was anyone who understood uh, Jesus intimately, it was his family. And Jude was his brother. And when it came to doubt, this is what Jude said. Let's read it out loud together. Be merciful to those who doubt. Be merciful to those who doubt. Why did Jude say this? Because we all doubt. 
You doubt and I doubt. Everybody has doubts. And if you wait until your doubt is removed, you will never make a commitment. You will never take a job. You will never get married. You will never have a child. You will never have a deep friendship. You will never follow God. Next observation. Every human being lives by faith. Everyone. Every human being lives by faith. Now I say this because sometimes people have another idea and they will say something like this. I wish I could have faith. I know people do, but it's just too hard for me. And the idea behind this is that there are some people who live only by what can be proved, only what can be a reasoned out. And then there are people who live by faith. And folks, I'm just telling you that that has no truth to it whatsoever. For example, last weekend, my daughter was in a a soccer tournament, the same daredevil that I talked about earlier. Jordan was in a soccer tournament, and the place where we went to go to the soccer tournament, uh, you park in the parking lot, and then you have to walk a really long distance to actually get to the fields. And so we're walking together, and we're holding hands, and it was a gorgeous day. Like last Saturday would have been a great day to have church outside, you know what I mean? Uh, Unlike today. And we'll do it again in the fall, by the way. But we're holding hands and we're walking across this field together. It's a long walk, about a quarter of a mile, half a mile. And the sun was beating down and my lungs were sucking in air and my body was working fine. And I was enjoying this moment with my daughter and we're walking, holding hands and we don't say a word all the way across the field. And all of a sudden, just in my head, this prompting, I felt it is good to be alive. It's good to be alive. So now, how do we try to prove that statement? It's good to be alive. It might be what some people, what some people will call is just a basic conviction. Something that we base our lives on, even though we might not be able to come up with a logical equation for it. Like the belief that all children deserve lavish love. That's just a basic conviction. Or our belief that all human beings are created equally. It's just a basic conviction. These statements that I just shared, they cannot be proven scientifically or logically, but there are good reasons why we would believe that they're true. So it's good to be alive. And the Bible tells us why it's good to be alive. Because one day God spoke and it was. And in Genesis chapter 1, the very first book of the Bible In chapter 1, verse 31, it says this. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. It's good to exist. And every human being, no matter who they are, lives by faith. So that's one possibility, what God says. 
There's another possibility, though, too. There's another alternative. And that is this, that it's good to be alive. The other alternative is that all of life is meaningless. All of life is meaningless. Bertrand Russell, a brilliant philosopher and thinker, said this, We are just little lumps of carbon that will dissolve. Just little lumps of carbon that will dissolve. Now, I don't know about you, but isn't that kind of depressing? I mean, can you imagine, like, your, your family's at your funeral, and, and the pastor stands up and he says, she or he was a little lump of carbon. They crawled around the world for a little while. Goodbye, little clump. Goodbye. Now, Bertrand Russell, he might be right. He's a very, very smart person. Maybe the universe is just an accident, and it will make no difference on whether I love my children or whether I beat my children. Maybe that's reality. But in my own life, I don't know of anybody who lives consistently with the idea that their existence is meaningless. Because every human being, every human being, whether they think themselves to be religious or an atheist, everybody lives by faith. It's a part of the human condition. Next observation. As long as you have faith, you will have doubts. As long as you have faith, you're also going to have doubts. There are two sides to this coin, faith and doubt. And you can't have one without the other. Let's say, for example, that in my hand right here is a $10 bill. How many of you believe that I have a $10 bill in my hand? Raise your hand. Oh, look at that. A lot of real faithful people here. All right. Encouraging. Okay. Uh, I need a volunteer. Just one volunteer. Okay. All right. Uh, how about you? Come on up. Okay. Let's give her a hand. Let's give her a hand. Now, what, what's your name? Here, I'll, maybe this will work. Here we go. What's your name? Natasha. Natasha. Okay. Everybody give a hand for Natasha again. Now, Natasha, why do you believe that I have a $10 bill right here in my hand? Because you said you did. Okay. Because I said I did. I, I haven't said anything yet to make you believe that I did. And so you believe that it's true. Okay, well, I'm going to destroy your faith right now. I do have a $10 bill. It's right here. I'm destroying your faith as we speak. Now, the question becomes, why do I say that statement? Why do I say that I am destroying her faith, even though that I have this $10 bill? I say that because you know. You now know I have a $10 bill. Faith only exists when there is not yet knowledge. 
When knowledge comes, folks, when knowledge comes to us and all doubt is gone, all faith is gone too. You don't need faith anymore. When you see and you know. I say this because a lot of times people think that faith means knowing something is true beyond a shadow of a doubt. And a lot of people will back away from ever committing to Christ because they say, I still have doubts, and so therefore I cannot commit to Jesus. And yet the reality is, is that faith is only needed when we do not know for sure. When all doubt is gone, when all faith is gone, and knowledge has left us. Now this is what Paul says. Just hang there. You're, you're doing good. Really good. This is what Paul says. Come up on the side screen. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but one day I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now, Natasha, you had faith. And the Bible says that we are rewarded for our faith. So you get this $10 bill. Okay, here you go. Take it. All right. I will take it away. All right. Let's give her a hand. You know what's even better? The offering has already been passed, so you don't even have to give anything away. Okay? Let's give Natasha a hand one more time. Now, suppose I say that I have a $1,000 bill in my hand. How many of you would... Yeah, look at that. You cynical, greedy people. I mean, there you are. All right, next observation. As long as you are in this world, you can expect your sense of certainty to ebb and flow. As long as you are in this world, you can expect your sense of certainty to ebb and flow. Now, in faith, there is a fundamental difference between certainty on one hand and commitment or faithfulness on the other hand. I cannot make myself feel more certain, but faithfulness is always an option. I can commit to things, even if I'm not certain. Let me give you a picture of this. Last year, our, uh, or earlier this year, around January, our family uh, took a vacation to Disney World. And we went to Hollywood uh, Studios theme park in Florida. And we went around the day and we only had two meltdowns. If you have a kids and you only have a couple meltdowns, like it's a victory. You know what I mean? I figure when we get to 10, you know, that's when it's time to pack it up. Let's go home. But just a couple, we can do that. And we're walking around and my oldest daughter, the daredevil, Jordan, her eye gets caught by this roller coaster called the, called the Rockin' Roller Coaster with Aerosmith. Now, every time we go to an amusement park, I am always the one who is nominated to take Jordan on roller coaster rides. Now, I might give up my man card here in just a second, but I hate roller coaster rides. 
I used to like them when I was in my 20s, and then when I hit 30, it's like, I don't want to do any of this. Luckily, we didn't have any kids, you know, for most of the 30s that could ride roller coasters, but now we do. And so, you know, being the kind, generous, polite husband I am, I didn't want to take all of it myself. And so I told Jordan, honey, I think your mom would really love to go on this. She loves Aerosmith. And so she goes up to her mom, she asks her, and this is what her mom said. Oh, honey, I do love Aerosmith, but your sister wants to go see Beauty and the Beast. And so you ask daddy. And all of a sudden, you know, like the panic moment that you have when you lose your kids in a big thing. I turn around. She is nowhere to be found. She has taken her and Shiloh. And it's like, you know, the Red Sea is parted and they are off. They are gone. They are what I call M-I-A-T-R-R. Missing in action to ride roller coaster. Like that is what they had experienced. So I'm kind of not real up on roller coasters to begin with, but I keep thinking to myself, there's a height limit, you know, for kids to have to go. So I start praying like no other prayer. Oh, God, shrink my child, you know. (laughs) She walks up to the thing and you know how those Disney people are. They're happy. Like if they just had a heart attack, they'd be like, oh, welcome, princess, you know. And so she walks up and she's barely over the top. I'm thinking, you know what? Too close. Don't let her ride, you know. And the guy goes, 49 inches, princess. Come on in. And I was like, ready to go. Bam, you know, like Clark Griswold or something, you know. So we're standing in this line and it's going all the way around. It's mainly all teenagers and adults who love rides. And here I am with my six-year-old. And all of a sudden, they start giving some statistics with the people around us. They're like, you know, only one in every 225 million people ever die on a roller coaster. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's pretty safe, you know. That's probably more safe than, than cars. And then as you walk around, they start telling you what you're going to experience. You are going to go zero to 60 miles an hour in 2.8 seconds. And that you will experience 4.5 G's as you swoop in and around three thrilling inversions, two rollover loops and a corkscrew. So I'm standing there for 75 minutes, weaving in and out like little mice coming to their death. And within that time, what do you think happened to my belief earlier on when we first got in line that one in 225 million people actually died? What do you think? Did my belief get more certain or less certain? Huh? Less certain. And all of a sudden, I had thoughts that I didn't have the entire day until we got in line for the rolling, rocking roller coaster. What if there's a mechanical failure? What if the shoulder harness doesn't work right? What if the college kid running this whole thing had a bad date last night and decides to walk away? I started to think, what if my body splattered at the bottom of Aerosmith's logo and Steven Tyler's singing on top of me? I began to imagine my children not having a father. I began to imagine my wife 
dating other men. (laughs) Wealthy and attractive men who I did not approve of. I had all of these thoughts here. Now, folks, this is it. Nothing, absolutely nothing had changed with the safety of that roller coaster from the moment I got into that line. But my circumstances changed when we got up and all of a sudden the Disney worker said, Aerosmith's rock and roll limo number six is yours. And I had to walk up and get ready. Now today some of you are in a similar place in your life. You're on the edge. Maybe it's financial debt. Maybe it's a, a relational deal. Maybe it's a health deal. But you're right on the edge and thoughts are filling your mind. It doesn't mean that you have to beat yourself up because you're having doubts. Be merciful to those who doubt. You cannot make yourself, folks, feel more certain. But even when you cannot be 100% certain, faithfulness and trust are on the same table. And standing there, you have to decide, will I go for it or will I not? And if I go for it, there's a possibility that I could get hurt, that I could fall. But if I don't trust, I'll never fly, I'll never soar, and I will stand in a line as I watch other people go and enjoy the ride of their life while I wither up and die. You want to know if I actually got on the ride? I did. We got in the car, and Jordan could tell that I was kind of nervous. You know, it wasn't like one of those moments where you're like, hey, I'm dead, I'm taking this. I was like freaking out. And she put her little hand over, and she grabbed my hand, and she said, Daddy, it'll be okay. <laughs> and she said, let's hold hands. And we, hold, we held hands the entire way, only once. Only once. Another observation. God is whispering all the time, even in our doubt and uncertainty. God is whispering all the time, even in our doubt and our uncertainty. God is whispering in everything that you see, everything that you touch. God is constantly whispering in creation. And I want to say something about this. Because often on our day, there is this idea that science and faith are totally opposed from each other. That they never come together. There's a guy by the name of G.K. Chesterton, a great Christian thinker and writer a century ago. This is what he said. It'll come up on the screen. The real mystery is that anything exists at all rather than nothing. See, what science generally does is that it takes theories like the Big Bang Theory or natural selection to explain how change takes place from one thing to another thing. But that does not explain 
how existence springs forth out of absolutely nothing. The real trick is not changing one thing into another thing. The real trick is changing the real trick is creating something out of absolutely nothing. A group of scientists decided that one day they knew as much as God and that they no longer really needed him. And so they picked one of the scientists to go speak on their behalf. And the scientist said, God, we know we can make it on our own now. We know how life started. We know how to clone it. We can do it without you. And God said, all right, well, let's have a man-making contest. And the scientist said, okay, we can do that. We can handle that. And God says, we're going to do it like back in the olden days, like when I first created Adam. And the scientist said, sure, no problem. And the scientist bent down and he picked up uh, some soil. And God says, no, 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 no. You get your own dirt. Some of you will not get that until later, and then you'll think, oh, that was really good. Now, the real mystery is, why is there anything at all? Why does anything exist rather than nothing? Because don't we all want to know, why are we here? Where did we come from? What is our purpose? Because we have a deep hunger for meaning. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that, or it doesn't prove that meaning exists, but it is interesting that, for example, all of us have a hunger for food, but wouldn't it be really odd if there was no such thing as food? I mean, we all have a a thirst for water, but wouldn't it be very, very odd if there was no such thing as water? We all have a hunger for meaning. It doesn't necessarily mean that uh, meaning exists. But it would be odd if we were created with this hunger, but there was no such thing as meaning out there. You see, I believe that it's very, very difficult to create a meaningful life if you believe that you live in a meaningless universe. Let me say that again. I find it very, very difficult that you can create a meaningful life if you believe in a meaningless universe. The Bible says this. God created everything in heaven and on earth, the seen and the unseen things. And he says, the heavens declare the glory of God. This is why we have a hunger for meaning. Because every moment, everything you see, everything that you look at in the sky, when you walk out today and you look up, is a work of a creator. And God is still whispering. My birthday is uh, coming up. Uh, It's a week from tomorrow, so next Monday, June 16th. I'll be 30 years old. I didn't think it was that funny, okay? Actually, I'll be 43. And one of the traditions that we have in our home is that 
whoever birthday it is, everyone else makes a cake for them. And so Jennifer and the girls all make me a cake. My favorite cake is a yellow cake with chocolate icing. Now, how many of you like chocolate cake with chocolate icing? Raise your hand. These are sick people, okay? (laughs) Just look around, whoever they are. They are sick people, okay? Greedy. Now, here's the picture. This is how God whispers into creation. Imagine that you had all the ingredients of a cake in a bowl. Don't know how they got there, but they're there. You got eggs, flour, sugar. Don't ask how it got there. It's just there. Now, how long would you have to stare at that bowl before yellow cake appeared? How did all of the exact proportions of the cake come together? It's still not a cake until someone said, let there be cake. And somebody did. See, this is why we love creation. Science can tell us all about the ingredients of it, which is great. It's a really good thing. But Jesus said that there was a baker back there. Maybe 14 billion years ago or so that said, let there be light. And from that light came life. And from that came a gift of love to every single one of us. And that's why we love creation so much. And God whispers in it all the time. Folks, the heavens declare. There is something inside of us that says it all means something. There is beauty and there is goodness and I want more of life. I want more of life. I want more of life. Last thing. God whispers to us in our vulnerability. God whispers to us in our vulnerability. In our love of life. And in our swiftness with which it passes. Two statements in the Bible that are kind of at the core of human existence. Here's the first one. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says this. God has placed eternity in the hearts of men and women. You see, there's just something inside of us, folks, that longs for more and more and more and more and more life. There's an ache, there's a hunger of eternity in each one of us. But then on the other hand, God says this, all people are like grass. He places eternity inside of each one of us, but then he says all people are like grass. And you know what grass is. And you know how it comes up. Only one season. And once the season is over, it dies. And our lives maybe are a little bit longer, but compared to like the stars and the sun and the moon and solar systems, your life, your one and only life, folks, it goes fast, just like that. And yet God placed eternity into the hearts of every man and woman 
And this goes down very deep inside of us. And you have this one and only life. And you get to choose. You get to choose every single day when you wake up. What are you going to commit that life to? And I'll tell you this. I have questions. I have doubts. I have uncertainties in my life. But we all have to give our life to something. And I'll tell you as honestly as I know. I have no doubt that there is no person, there is no idea, there is no thought that is more greater to give my one and only life to than Jesus Christ and the teachings of his life. There's no alternative for me. There's nobody else. There's no other option. You have this one and only life and you get to choose who you're going to commit it to. And it goes by, folks. Just like that. And God is whispering today. He whispers in our questions. He whispers in our doubts. He whispers in our confusion. He whispers in our suffering. He whispers in our brokenness. He whispers in everything that He's made. And today, God is whispering to you, you need more. You need more. You need to trust in something that is absolutely secure. You need love from somebody who can give it to you absolutely unconditional with power. You need forgiveness from a being that can give it to you in limitless amounts. No limitations. Today, each of us walked into this gymnasium today and we walked in with some uncertainty in our life. Maybe it's a financial uncertainty. You're in debt. You're struggling to know if you're going to be able to make ends meet, but it's uncertain. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's the doctor has said something to you or to someone that you love and you don't know. It's uncertain. Maybe it's a relationship issue. There's a relationship right now in your life that is broken and you've been trying to put it back together and as much as you try, it's still uncertain whether or not that thing is actually going to work. Or maybe today yours is an eternal uncertainty. That you've never started a relationship with Jesus Christ before and the reality is if you died tonight, you don't know where your maker, if you would be with your maker or not. Now, in your program, each one of you received a little uh, insert that looks like this. It's just a plain piece of paper. And if you didn't get one, just raise your hand and one of our greeters uh, will get that for you. It looks kind of like a name tag. And what I'd like you to do is that there are four things that are in the program that you could choose. One of these four things that you could write down. Maybe it's something different for you. But I'd like you to take a moment and to write down the thing in your life that feels most uncertain. Uncertain in your life. It is shaky. You're wondering what it is. It might be one of these things. It may be something else. 
And we're just going to give you a moment with God here. We're going to bring down the lights. And we're just going to give you a moment with God. You can, just between you and God, write it down. And then after the band kind of leads us in a song of his amazing love for us, I'm going to give you an opportunity to to get rid of some uncertainty in your life and to give some faith, even though you have doubts, to the one who can answer uncertain prayers. So just take a moment and then I'll lead us in prayer and we'll close in a song. thinking, please take time, but let's, uh, let's have a moment of prayer. God of all creation, I'm reminded in this moment that you know every soul, you know every mind, you know every heart that is in this gym today. You know the questions, you know the struggles, you know the uncertainties. You know the doubts. And you are such a good God. And we come to you right now with the most uncertain thing, the most shaky thing that we're holding in our hands right now. And we're going to trust you to take it. to give us the strength to release it to you and to receive your strength and your power to go forward with a lighter load. We thank you for your great love and we ask right now, God, that you would fill us with your love. I pray this in Jesus' name.